0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 177 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming to you from my house in Austin, Texas, where I am quarantined with my wife and three kids. Going a little bit stir crazy with with homeschool, but uh, we're hanging in there and just happy to have our health. I want to say a couple quick things and then we'll jump into my conversation today. I've got James Dodds on the show. And we're going to be talking with James about taking positives from this situation that might affect us as we get to the other side of this pandemic. And so I wanted to dig in on that topic with James, which is a deep and complicated one, but hopefully one that will get you thinking yourself. But before that, a couple quick things. One, please, please continue to do your part in terms of staying at home, being safe, social distancing, limiting your interactions with yourself and with those in your household so that we can continue to do right to work through this pandemic together as a country. The better we are about that, the quicker we will get through it and the safer we will be along the way. So just wanted to drive that message home. Secondly, if you need a smile, please, please go listen to my Clean Sport podcast from yesterday with Jesse Diggins Kara and I got to interview Jesse Diggins. She is a cross-country ski racer, and you might remember her epic finish in the 2018 games where she and her teammate won the first cross-country gold for an American skier ever, and they did it in dynamic and epic fashion in the team sprint where she ended up outstretching the Swedish athlete by just half a ski to get that victory. Really, really cool moment and I linked to this I linked to the video of that in the show notes of that episode, but also just a really positive interview. Jesse is an athlete that does it the right way, and she brings a positive attitude to that whole conversation. And I think you won't be able to help. But smiling when you listen, I was kind of having a down day on Friday until we got to talk. To Jesse and emerge from that interview with a smile on my face that didn't go away for a while. So I think you'll enjoy that one as well. So please go listen to that if you haven't already. Otherwise, I wanted to jump in with James. And again, we'll be talking about how do we take some lessons from this situation and come through it on the other side better and stronger as people, mostly. We talk a little bit about running too, but mostly kind of get to the heart of it as humans. So Here's my conversation with James. One of the things this week that I've been reflecting on as I've found a little bit of a new equilibrium is, is the things about this shift, forced shift and tragic shift in many ways, but the things about this shift that are becoming positives that or lessons that we want to take away to the... To the world, once we can go back to quote unquote normal, whenever that will be. And so I've been reflecting on that this week. And while, you know, it's still uncertain when we'll get back to that place, it's definitely something that's been on my mind and I think should be on our minds so that when we can return to normal, we don't just get thrown right back into the same old routines or maybe making the same mistakes as before and you know and this is going to be tough and there's not going to be anything simple about taking some of these lessons into that future but wanted to reflect on it with you and and hopefully have the group start to reflect on it as well and there have been at least two things I'll mention as examples that have been positives for me during this new normal and one of those is I think I've referenced before is pretty pretty straightforward, but I've been getting more sleep and probably averaging about an hour more nice. a night, sometimes more. I've got this aura ring that I've talked about that tracks my sleep cycles, it tracks my heart rate, my heart rate variability. And it's been pretty interesting to look at those stats because in general, and it gives me a daily readiness score and a nightly sleep score. And I would say that in general, my scores have been about 10 points higher than they were pre, pre self quarantine. And I've been getting about an hour more of sleep and feeling pretty good physically as a result, especially on my runs and some of the workouts that I've been doing. And so that's something that, you know, I knew, I knew sleep was already a challenge for me, but now I have this real life example of, okay, get more sleep and you feel better. So how can I take that lesson back into a new, you know, a normal world once it comes? So that's one thing. Second thing is that I would say from a family unit perspective with Amy and our three kids, like we've been more connected and present probably as a family than we have been maybe ever because, you know, just gosh. 3 years ago, you know, we still had a we had Elena was 4 and we were very much in the throes of trying to get a toddler to a place where she could you know do things on her own and that has its chaos associated with it. And then the last couple of years beyond that, they've all been heavily embedded in activities doing dance and soccer and karate and guitar and piano and all these things which kind of is all great at some level but can pull you a, away from each other, from just having that sit down at the table, have a meal together, family time where you're talking about whatever might come up. And we've had that, you know, that kind of bonding experience in some form or fashion pretty much every day where we're just sitting there without devices in hand, just talking to each other as a family. And so, you know, how can we keep that that connection. And when we go back into a more harried world, those are at least two things for me and there's others, but I want to get your thoughts on what you've been feeling positively before we talk about, okay, well, what do we do with these lessons?
1: Yeah. Um, I love the topic, especially when you, you asked if we wanted to do it earlier this week, it got me thinking. And one of the athletes, I don't remember if it was like Lori or Mary Margaret. Um, I think they both commented at least but someone had kicked it off maybe in the first week of this where they were like kind of some silver linings to this so you know some of the team was already thinking on on this um front and I'm glad we're like revisiting and talking about it but um for me there's been a variety like these zoom happy hours with friends I've noticed that I have a tendency to like hang out with the same crew often and miss out on some other friends that I want to see more often I just don't just honestly it comes down to geography and and when I say geography I mean like part of town I know our New York folks can relate to this Um, but even in Austin it's like if you live uh, in completely parts of the the city um, then it's sometimes harder to hang out with one another but it's been interesting to see these zoom happy hours Um, my friends that I connect with are the ones that simply want to connect and it has nothing to do because we can jump on zoom so it doesn't matter where Anyone lives. Um, and even the thoughtfulness with friends, I've done it a couple times, but have been doubly surprised by how many people have reached out to me just via text, where someone's like, I'll get a text notification. And I think I know who it's probably going to be based on the time of day and normal routines. But I'm like, oh no, this was a friend from Dallas yesterday that just texted me and was like, hey, bud, how you holding up? Uh, we got to grab a margarita next time I'm in Austin. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I haven't talked to Shane in a while and I'm just, Just this thoughtfulness that's coming from people, um, where I think we've got that extra time to sit still and think who matters to us, and then those that are proactive—it's—it's just so deeply appreciated. Which I would put in a bigger bucket. um, Just the like, if if that's pretty micro, but if you go extreme macro, um, this is the only time in my life, in my existence, maybe nine eleven. But nine eleven was like U.S. based. Um, but this is the first time in my whole life uh, that I think I feel like I'm in the same boat with the whole world. I've never thought about like all people truly being in the same boat. Like when you're referencing things at the start of the call, you were referencing Italy. Um, and first we were looking at China because that's where it all began. But it's like literally everyone around the world right now is – um, trying to curb this. And so that's a pretty unique thing. There's other things like home cooked meals and uh, saving money. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing a good job of saving money right now, just because uh, I could order things online. But why? Like, am I going to get dressed up for anyone other than me? Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's like, a lot of good things are happening right now. and And also, like, I, I read early in this, someone was projecting it's the creative people that are going to get us through this. And I remember being almost like a little bit bummed because I've never considered myself creative. Like last week we talked, I'm a framework guy. And even in my job, I'm, um, I'm a best practices guy. I've helped shape a lot of our best practices, compiled them. I consider myself more of like a, even as a coach, I compile um, the best of all the other coaches that came uh, before me and then just have all their rules of thumb and best practices. So I've always been more of a, um, like just compile all the best practices and then deliver those to whoever I might be serving, whether it be work or athletes. But this, is, this has been a time where it's causing me, especially at work, to come up with creative solutions. Um, I actually jump on calls with clients regularly, and we think out loud together. And there's a little bit of vulnerability in that but again I still see these as, as like wins where I'm I'm saying like oh wow well I can read Brene Brown all I want about how important it is to be vulnerable but I have to be now. Like I'm I'm this senior client success manager who jumps on a call and senior means nothing at this point. I'm like I I'm a person and they're a person and we're gonna th- we're going to find out what they're working on this week and see if we can come up together some kind of creative solution on how to engage fans and put the right message in front of whether it be um, a museum's audience or an NBA team's audience or an NFL team's audience, or even, you know, we work with Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, Adidas. Like if it's a major brand, we're going to think about how we can put a creative message out in front of, you know, an audience. So I'm identifying that, like it's encouraging because it's in there, but I think it, it it's taken something like this to bring it out. And now I'm like, how am I going to like find that creative, like that be vulnerable and be creative with your, your clients or be creative with your athletes. The way I've watched uh, you at rogue, I, I know with the, the online community, it might feel pretty normal. Like, Oh, this is what we've been doing. But the way you had to, think really fast and put together solutions of how am I going to take this Austin community, which is where, where it began. And it's a big home-based community and, and respond to the athletes. Um, it's shown that there's a lot of creative solutions inside you and inside me, inside all of us. Um, and this is, you know, I hope, I hope to keep some of that when I come out of this, um, this time.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. That, yeah it's interesting. it's it's almost like in general it's forced a a level of authenticity and then therefore vulnerability and closeness with people you might not expect, yeah, and that's that's a good thing. I've got to acknowledge one part of recognizing these positives at least for me is that. They also come with, or at least for me, it comes also with a just a tiny, tiny, I don't know, if, I don't want to quantify it, some bit of guilt as well, which is basically associated with this idea that, man, there's people dying over this, there's people that are really sick, there's family units that have been disrupted and affected in ways that I can't fathom at the moment, you know, I'm still able to get outside and do my runs every day. Other than the fact that I'm closed into, you know, my house and not able to interact in normal ways, I've been affected, you know, I haven't tragically been affected by this situation. And so there's some bit of guilt for me associated with this idea of looking at the positives because I know that there are some people that can't at all look at the positives because they're thrown, thrown into this in a much more tragic way. And I'm not beating myself up over that, but I just wanted to acknowledge it because I do think that for some of us, that's going to be a real thing. Like it's, it's not easy to think about the positives here when, you know, there's a lot of people who can't. So that is also on my mind, but, as it relates to stepping forward the the reason why I think this topic is important now is because you know we don't know how this is gonna go, we don't know how this is gonna end we don't know if it's gonna be a gradual return to normal or a rapid return to normal. We don't know and amidst amidst all that uncertainty, it would be easy for these lessons to get lost these epiphanies these these positive elements and so i just want to encourage people one to just start to acknowledge and note these things write them down have a journal a notebook where you kind of make a list of the little lessons you're learning from this that you may want to carry forward because you know and the some of them by the way that are happening on a on a global scale in terms of things like environmental impact, for example, like I was reading an interesting article from the Atlantic about the impact land, sea and air on, you know, this, this show, this showdown, this shutdown, you know, you and I were reflecting, or at least I was reflecting with you earlier this week on the fact that right now I'm more worried about crowded trails And the fact that crowded trails might mean those trails get shut down, that I am worried about traffic on Mopac, which is Loop One, which is the biggest or the the main freeway that runs by my house, that is kind of a central artery in Austin. And it's just crazy to me that we're in this world where suddenly trail running traffic is is more of a crisis than traffic on a major freeway. Through a town of 2 million people. So, you know, but this article was talking about the impact on air pollution and how they're seeing immediate changes there, land impact where they're seeing animals kind of moving into spaces that they weren't before, dolphins in Venice, coyotes in San Francisco. Seismologists are seeing this clarity of of being able to read the earth that they haven't seen in a long time in a sense that there was always a lot of human noise built into their readings that they're having to sort of ignore or, or, you know, discount so that they can see the real impacts, uh, you know, size of seismic shifts in our world. And, and that, you know, all that human noise has gone away. And so they're now seeing this clarity and it was talking about how seismologists in California can actually detect activity in in other parts of the world that they wouldn't be able to detect because of the fact that the human noise is down. Hmm. And so all these things it's just so fascinating and you know and are we going to take this as an opportunity amidst tragedy to learn and come out with a better world, or are we not? And I think individually, we all have to take our little piece of that, of that mantle and carry it in our own way. And you know, so it starts with just noting, you know, observing, noting, writing down these lessons. And then the next thing I do think you got to start to think about: okay, well, what would this look like? How will it shift? And for me, simple things like okay, sleep. Let's take that as an example. And you know, I think the harsh reality for me is that I'm not going to just magically get more sleep because I declare it. I have to truck tru- structurally change elements in my life in order to get that to happen. Just like this has caused, because. I'm a night owl. I'm not going to not be a night owl. Like I'm not going to go to bed at nine 30 or nine or eight 30. Like some people do. I'm just, that's not going to happen structurally for me. That's not the way I'm wired. And so it means that I have to have a routine that allows me to sleep later. I coach Wednesday mornings, 5 30 AM. I'm not going to give that up, but it makes me think, you know, perhaps I need to not be waking up at five thirty to run Tuesday Thursdays. maybe I need to shift that schedule. maybe I need to not train with the group I'm typically training with team Rogue so that I can get more sleep and therefore get myself out you know get my get more out of myself as an athlete you know and what does that look like so those are thought processes I'm having now because when we get into the craziness of getting back to routine, it's going to be easy to just go right back to where we were. And, and I would say that it's almost imperative that we can't on tiny levels, as well as macro levels. Like we can't go back to where we were. We have to use this as an opportunity to learn because if we don't, then man, that's a lot of tragedy for nothing.
1: Yeah. Um, I have two responses I feel like we've been thinking about it this in the same way. Um, first, I want to go back to the admission of guilt um, because as soon as you said it, my brain triggered to i you know when I went through my divorce i I often wanted to not address it or think about it or worry about it or even talk to people about it um, sometimes just based out of shame and things like that but I also remember the biggest piece was that there were just bigger problems in the world I felt like I have a very cush life and so obviously doing intense counseling and I, I reread um, Victor Frankl's um, man's search for meaning during that time. And it's interesting that a guy who survived a concentration camp while almost everyone, uh, no matter what they're going through, um, might have a little bit of guilt because you can probably always find someone with a problem that's bigger um, it's very easy to push away problems or or any form of pain and say, oh, well, it's a first world problem, and kind of be like, ha and move on. Um, but it's ironic that the what he learned in the concentration camps, he actually went on to teach people. He went on to be a therapist to help them through everyday problems long after, you know, surviving the concentration camp. And it always came down, it was like the same framework of advice where it's like um, looking at your situation and realizing you always have a choice. Um, so I, like, I I love that you, you talked about the guilt, like, yes, we shouldn't lose sight that people are going through, you know, Italy's facing, facing it far more intensely than we are. Um, but don't let that, uh, like I'm saying this more to the athletes, but like, don't let that, um, stop you from taking any concerns you're facing, um, and let them be real and then work through them because that's a, it's easy to be like, man, someone's got a bigger problem and then just move past it and then let something just grow inside you that will ultimately, you know, bring you down to a worse space. So, um, when I do feel that g- guilt, that's, that's what I'm reminded of and how I go back and say, all right, well, you know, I, I am sad that people are facing something worse, but for me right now, uh, this is what I'm going through and I want to take the lessons that I can. And then the second response is like like you said yes write them down um, so some of the things I rattled off I actually have them on my notes on my computer and I hope that this list doubles like right now I think I've got 10 things written down um, so I want to I want to take this list and let it grow and then I think you know we're all quarantined at least through May 1st um, a lot I know people are saying it's probably gonna be longer but we've got another month of like okay let's let's let this list grow and during that time, Um, start identifying what's what's going to be practical like even just a commute to work is going to start taking up more time so I know time is going to be lost when we go back to normal um, just on the most basic level and so knowing that I wanted to identify the things that are going to be practical like one is definitely like the saving money Um, I was blown and going way faster than I needed to and then when we started with that that dopamine talk like finding ways by which to um, be stimulated and have fun with, without alcohol always being the answer. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quit drinking 100% and completely, but again, the level that I would spend on happy hours, uh, just because it was convenient. Cause I work downtown and then I am downtown. Like I want to, I want to find the practical pieces, um, that I can carry over. Like maybe the like, Tuesday nights is a night I've permanently had blocked. Um, uh, I've enjoyed doing home cooked meals during this time. So I at least want to know going forward that hey, what if what if Tuesday nights remain blocked and if I and if I want to be social, then people can come over, um, but I want to make that an evening where I can still you know have a home cooked meal, spend way less than being out at expensive restaurants in the heart of downtown. Um, so again, what I'm saying here is like build the list right now and let it keep growing through the month, and then over time, you know, identify what's going to be practical to maintain that you can. And even if it's not as regular, like you said, you're having nightly dinners with the family and really appreciating that. Even if it were to only become biweekly, like once every two weeks, that's still better, you know, if it's a lesson you took out of this and, um, and carry forward.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that kind of gets to this idea of also being realistic and setting realistic yeah. expectations because it's not going to, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same, but it can, you can, you can capture a small piece of the little victories that we're seeing and then take that forward. And, and that's going to be a win in whatever format that manifests. So I love li- I like that framing or that advice The, you know, part of me though still has fear that it won't be possible or that I can say this now on a podcast, you know, several weeks out and, or months, who knows out from when all of this starts to shift back and then it'll just go away. (laughs) I'll forget. I'll move right back to where I was. Yep. Any comments on that yeah. part of it?
1: Yeah. And uh, when we did the message board conversation, I remember writing, I'm, I'm finally being present was my silver lining. Um, we always talk about being present. And that's immediately what came to mind when you said there's a fear down the road that it won't be practical. That fear is natural. Um, when I was learning to ski, I remember um, the instructor saying, just ski 15 meters ahead of you. Like only look at the 15 meters between your feet and 15 meters ahead. Um, and that's how I got down my first blue and eventually got to blacks. And we we can tie it in as a metaphor for the workout this week, the progressive pace workout. It's like run the mile that you're in. Um, I definitely don't know how I'm going to maintain all of this that's written down uh, in December of 2020. But I have a hope that I will. I have an intention to do it. And as long as I spend April trying, then when May comes around, I can I can try in May again. And then when June comes around, I can try in June again. And, and I'm going to trust that um, there's a muscle building and uh, a routine building too. Like that's the beauty of routines they, they, or habits. They say it takes 21 days to build a habit. Well, guess what? <laughs> we all have more than 21 days to build these habits. So then it almost might be um do i even want to change like that's the beauty is organically some of these things we may not even want to get out of this groove um so uh, let 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 habits surprise you let the own organic evolution inside you surprise you uh be hopeful in that sense and for now just be present and if it's something that um i think that's why if we write all these things down and then identify which ones uh, over this month, like spend spend time identifying which ones are the most meaningful to us. Um, even if we take two or three really positive changes out of this, that's better than having 10 great changes that occur. And then once it's turned back on, we just flip our lifestyle like a light switch and just go back and take nothing from it. Um I know that my list has ten things on it right now. I hope it grows to twenty, and if I can take the best three out of the twenty and carry them forward, that's still such a huge win.
0: I agree with that. I also think though, as I reflect on it, that we have to be willing to look in the to look in the mirror and be realistic about the trade-offs associated with some of these decisions and that you may give up have to give up something that you really like for something better you know like i think about this situation now it's like we're giving up a lot because of this forced self quarantine but even amidst giving up those things that we love and those interactions that we enjoy, we're getting some things back that are positives. And so, when you're evaluating those elements, I think you have to be realistic about okay. Well, if I make this change, it's going to require me to give up something that I also liked for for something that was that might be better, you know. And for me, if I'm being honest about the sleep one, just kind of to go back to that example. You know, I have this realization in front of me that if I want to get more sleep, then it's re- it's, re- it's going to require a structural change in my training that will potentially require me giving up training with the group that I love, the team that I love for something better, potentially, I, I guess that, you know, I'll, I'll feel better. I'll be more rested as an individual. I'll be more whole as a person and i think it's going to require some of these things are going to require tough decisions and tough trade-offs that you have to just be realistic about Look looking you know look straight in the mirror and and ask yourself the question which do i want more you know for me do i want a more rested being or do i want the connection that comes from training with people that i love and i don't yeah, know the answer to that, but that's something I've been wrestling with in my head as I've thought about this, this benefit, because I know for me, like, there's no way I'm just going to snap my fingers and get more sleep. It's going to require structural changes to my routine. And that would be potentially one trade-off that I would have to make. So, so anyway, I just, I shine the light on that just to say that, you know, to do these things, to seek a better life or we may have to make some tough decisions or change routines or habits that we held on to because we enjoyed. Yep. And, and just be honest with yourself about those because there may be something better on the other side, but you may also decide, Hey, that's not worth the trade off for me.
1: Yeah. I love, I love that you said it that way. Um, and I, that that's why I want to encourage, and I'm trying to do this with myself is like, I want to do it with myself and encourage um, everyone listening to to already operate as though you're doing it now. So like, I know in some ways life did it for us. It put us in a different state, but we can still get up and look in the mirror right now and start asking that question now rather than, okay, when it all goes back on, I'm going to have to have a long look in the mirror and be like, well, which one am I going to pick?
0: Yeah, it's about intention and sort of regaining control over your choices. And this time is giving us the space forced, although it may be, to regain that control over our decisions. Because when we get in the midst of life just going, we're in this inertia phase that, that, where we just do and we don't think and we don't do things with intention because we're just following a, you know, following the routine, the inertia of life. And it can be hard to reset in the midst of that, but this is a forced reset. And so what are you going to do with it is the question. Mm-hmm. There you go. What are you going to do with it? Again, something just to reflect on during this time as we, can take our lessons and hopefully carry them forward. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to change, but this is an opportunity to reflect on what could be better on the other side, and hopefully, as I said, we can turn tragedy into some positive things on the other side. And to be clear to my Team Rogue teammates, the I'm not definitively making this shift, but it's just one that I've been talking about and reflecting on. And I also love you guys so much and can't see myself walking away with the group. So we'll more likely find another way, but it is something I've been thinking about really deeply as I reflected. So with that, as a final thought, we will wrap this episode. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, at Rogue Running. You can also, if you'd like to train with us during this virtual world, please reach out to me, chris at roguerunning.com We've got some virtual Rogue Nation options happening right now, if that's of interest to you. I've also got more podcast-based training groups that will be opening up in late April, early May, coming up pretty soon. So stay tuned for information on that. Otherwise, we will talk to you next week.